Hello and welcome to this episode of Helix and Gene Medical Wellness Podcast. Today, um, I want to welcome our listeners and uh, thank everybody for tuning in. We have a very, very special guest. Um, we interviewed Dr. Peter Osborne, who's one of the leading guys in the last 20 years inside of this whole um, gluten-free frenzy world that we live in. Um, he was an author of a book called No Grain, No Pain. Um, Dr. Osborne is an experienced public speaker and frequently lectures to groups of physicians, healthcare providers, nutritionists, and patients on the topics of gluten sensitivity, functional medicine, health, lifestyle, and nutritional interventions, and drug-induced nutritional deficiencies. He enjoys participating in radio, podcasts, and television interviews, as well as health summits, and hopes that through increased awareness, more individuals with chronic illnesses like autoimmune disease will have access to the most innovative and helpful information. This is really, really cool, guys, because we need more doctors like Dr. Osborne who have a functional medicine background to be able to get the message out and educate uh, people who are unfamiliar with this world. Um, and this could be laymen and this could be physicians. And one incredible thing that we have today is we have our functional medicine director at Helix and Gene, our very own Lori Graham, uh, who is here with us today, who is going to give you a better understanding of what functional medicine is before we lead you into Dr. Osborne. Lori, welcome, and it's always a pleasure to share the microphone and space with you. Thank you, Sam. I appreciate that, and it's always a pleasure for me to share functional medicine. So the Institute for Med uh, Functional Medicine trains medical professionals in a different way of looking to help people with chronic disease. And basically, they have a two-year certification program and the different modules that people move through actually are the different areas in terms of function that you learn about and how they all interact with each other. So you would look at the respiratory system, you'd look at the neurological system, you look at the cardiovascular and metabolic systems, and you look for how those systems relate and then what might be the root cause. And over the years, obviously, more research abounds in terms of natural ways to approach these chronic diseases that run rampant in our world. And so that essentially is a big difference from how traditional medicine in a 10-minute insurance model-based kind of system really can only address symptoms and say, let's put a Band-Aid on that symptom. But when you can look at an immune disease and say, wow, that goes back to the gut usually, and why aren't those nutrients getting into the bloodstream, and maybe someone has difficulty digesting or assimilating nutrients, if you can break it down and get back to root cause and work on diet and lifestyle and certain interventions for stress management, patients will respond much more favorably and then you have an increased lifespan or health span even and that's what we do here at helix and gene so yeah so can you explain a little bit about what some of the different testing 
from a functional medicine standpoint that we use to look at uh, some of what's going on inside of a person's body that can actually help their physician as well get a better sense of why this person has high cholesterol, for instance. We utilize with every one of our patients, as you well know, three tests. One is we take a blood test. Uh, we have a wonderful medical software program that analyzes their blood in a different way than mainstream med medicine does. In mainstream medicine, every adult is compared to every other adult. But if you have a healthy person sitting in front of you and you look at optimal ranges versus normal ranges, those ranges are skewed perhaps more narrowly inside of those wider optimal ranges or maybe higher or lower. By looking, by comparing yourself with people who are healthy, you get a better opportunity to help bring somebody back into balance if you catch them out of that narrower range. So that's one test that we do and we utilize that test because it integrates all of the blood test measurements and looks at what supplements will work at a root cause level. Okay, so everyone submits a blood test to us. The next thing we do is a food inflammation test. And this is extraordinarily helpful. It looks at typical foods that people might have an inflammatory response to. It looks at the IgG branch of the immune system, which is different than anaphylaxis uh, or anaphylactic shock or, or even just the skin testing that people sometimes do. So lots of times the foods that we're sensitive to can be in part a reason for some of the inflammatory responses that we have and also some of the weight loss resistant issues that people have when they say, but I eat a clean diet, I just can't knock the weight off. So we use that test. And then we also use our own Helix and Gene genetic test, which looks at certain genes that govern what a person's macronutrient distribution should be. So how much protein percentage-wise, uh, carbohydrate and fat that someone should have during the course of a day. Also, how we metabolize supplements. And so some people have what are called SNPs, which are basically morphisms with certain genes that will help turn a vitamin from food into a bioavailable form in the body. And so we examine all of those through our genetic testing and then we can actually say, you need to either eat more of these foods and if you're not eating those foods because you don't like them, then you need to supplement and this is how you need to supplement. We also look at how someone should exercise and Basically, by looking at the genes that govern how you burn fat more effectively, whether it's aerobic, whether it's intervals and resistance, or whether you need to do more stabilization because you're more prone to injury, those are some of the kinds of points that we go over in our genetic report. So people have the tools for personalization and then also sustainability, which is so key. So in bringing this functional medicine 
philosophy to this, I'm going to call it gray area of uh, traditional medicine and holistic medicine, which is now being occupied that space by what we would call functional medicine. Um, all of these root cause aspects that we look at, in and, and, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that I think in the last five years, there's been leaps and bounds just from a law standpoint of what we're allowed to test for and what we're not and what factors we can look at and the technology has increased. And, and the reliability the also. The reliability has, right. Right, the and, reliability has changed. I was listening to a podcast today that talked about how the gut microbiome, as much as we know there's a genetic influence from there, that evidence-based medicine hasn't reached there yet. And so the comment that the person was making was, turn around and look at what comes out of your body, and that gives you the best, best indication. You know, what they were putting out that was maybe that diversity isn't really the answer, but maybe it's how the genes are talking to one another. And so as we move forward and as people write grants and get studies done looking at how changes in one's diet by avoiding processed foods can change the microbiome, that's where the research is starting to happen, and that's going to be key. So where, what do you say to the traditional physicians that listen to our podcasts and they poo-poo a lot of this as pseudoscience and, and, and they look at a lot of this as, well, the evidence of certain things that you guys talk about is not that strong yet. I mean, I've addressed this in, in, in with many physicians and in, in a lot of terms in the sense that, you know, I always go back to... Um, the, the 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 notion that penicillin was at one point noted known as pseudoscience and then went on to save tremendous amount of lives right, right. because things got opened up. There was now studies being able to be done on it and companies like us and people that were a little more mavericks were able to take those steps and be able to open the doors so we can have this kind of information. Um, how would you answer those kind of doctors? So I rely on the research and one of You're our, very research based, that's why our, I asked. Right. Yes. One of our board members, Gary Gaselter, doctor, you know, asked me a pointed question about something and I went right to PubMed and I found three or four articles to send him and I always go back to the research. There it takes a lot of time to cull through research. There are people that are just brilliant. There are engineers and there are biohackers that are just super intelligent people that spend their time going through the research. And they come up with the answers that we use in functional medicine, which always amazes me, but the research is there. And so years and years ago, we were, time is the great, the great healer, right? Yeah, yeah. And so over time, because more people are curious about how nutrition really can affect one's health, you have seen more and more studies being done. So I just don't think it's easy 
to follow all the research. I don't. I think it's a time issue. I really think it's a time issue, and so. I also think it's something really important that a lot of people overlook, and this is something that I really pat us on the back for with what we do is, you know, the term of bio-individuality, right? And you can do all the studies in the world that you want, but the reality is, is each human being is unique. Correct. And when you bring certain tests and that person literally in front of your eyes you correct their spine from a physical standpoint. You stabilize their joints from a physical standpoint. You lower or take them off their medications from a medical standpoint. Right. Their body weight drops, their behavioral habits change, and their numbers on our medical scale get into the normal range of where they need to be. And the result of it is massive, whether it's weight loss if they need it, or it's a little bit of weight loss if they need it. And, and, and that in itself for each individual is the biggest proof in the pudding that I could possibly Absolutely. share. And the other thing is that our clients and the journey that they take and what they observe really spells out what that bio-individuality might be. I was listening to Terry Walls, who has multiple sclerosis, but really healed herself, talking with a doctor who's totally carnivore. And they were debating about her success eating lots of kale, because kale, for some people, can be disruptive. And she eats six cups of green vegetables a day. And she said, look, I'm not arguing that it's the right thing for everybody, but for me, my energy and my ability to move was greatly limited such that I had to stay in bed when I didn't have the consistency of habit with regards to having all those leafy kinds of greens. And so we, by having our patients work with one nutrition coach, can notice how food affects people as they move through that journey in that communication that we have with them every single day. And we see bio-individuality every single day that sometimes makes us go, hmm, I have to dig a little deeper here, and that's what we do. I love it. And I think, you know, now with us giving a little backdrop to what functional medicine is and what companies like us are doing in the forefront of this movement, um, we can go ahead and get into our podcast that we did with Dr. Peter Osborne. And without further ado, uh, here is our podcast that we did with Dr. Osborne. And, you know, really, he, he is a pioneer in this field. And he is somebody who is out there every day in the front line of this with collecting more research, more data, and pushing this message through in being able to marry functional medicine to physicians for who have always had this view of traditional medicine. And to get more information on Dr. Osborne and to see all the phenomenal things that him and his team are doing, you can go to his website, um, drpeterosborne.com. That's doctor.p-e-t-e-r-o-s-b-o-r-n-e.com. And, uh, you know, also pick up his book, No Grain, No Pain. It'll give you a great amount of information on what gluten-free really is. 
And uh, without further ado, here is our interview with Dr. Peter Osborne. Today, we have a very special guest, Dr. Peter Osborne, um, who is a clinical director of Origins Healthcare in Sugarland, Texas. He is a doctor of chiropractic, doctor of functional medicine, doctor of pastoral sciences, and a board-certified clinical nutritionist. Um, he is an entrepreneur. He has... A book that he's written, The Gluten-Free Warrior, he's known as. And uh, today we are going to get to know him a little bit better. Dr. Osborne, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, thank you. And today is, we have our Director of Functional Medicine, Lori Graham, with us, who is going to be chiming in on this interview with myself. And uh, so, Dr. Osborne... How did they initially take that, these physicians, in the beginning? You know, this is obviously a while back where, like you said, you know, things were starting to take off. What kind of reaction did you get from clinical physicians about the type of, you know, language that you were now speaking and the message that you were trying to get across? Actually, I, I, I was received very, very well. There was, there was very little skepticism. And I think one of the reasons why is because we, we, curated, we curated the audience. We obviously didn't try to go and grab GI doctors who we knew didn't care and didn't right. want to be educated. So we, we marketed the, the course to existing physicians who already knew wanted to learn more about alternatives, wanted to Understood. learn more about okay. what else they could be doing. And so, so for example, one of, the, one of the inaugural doctors was a very prominent gastroenterologist in the Chicago area. He flew in. And we got nothing but raving praise because here he was, you know, uh, at the time, more than 20 years in practice, very frustrated with the way patients were reacting to drugs and medicines. And he just was looking for a different solution. And when, when, he, when he stumbled upon us and went through the course and started applying it, I've got letters from him after, you know, months after t raving about how his patients for the first time ever, he felt like he was really doctoring because he was actually applying nutrition in his practice in such a manner that, that people would actually get better without needing, you know, the massive quantities of medications and steroids and other things that were suppressing their symptoms versus actually resolving their problems. So it was really well received. So and, 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 and on the other end of that, on the other side of the spectrum, I got a lot of criticism too. So I won't say that there was no criticism, but that criticism mostly came from people that didn't attend. It came from people who, who didn't attend, who didn't receive the information, but just had such a strong bias against it that they were willing to say and do and try to defame and deface me no matter the cost. Yeah, that's always going to be the case. Anytime you're a pioneer, you're changing anything, it's something that, you know, we in what we face here in the Northeast and what, you know, what our company does and how we're moving forward, you know, we, we're met with these type of challenges of the naysayers and, I, you know, we handle it pretty much the same way as you do, you know, almost uh, put it out in front of them, get the credibility, get the right people, show that it works, and, you know, let people formulate what they need to from there. You know, one of the things I wanted to ask you about your Web Wellness University, and so is this what you're talking about, part of that type of training that you do for the physicians? So if they're interested and, you know, this is something they want to look into, this, this, what you're talking about is how you teach them, is that part of it? And... One of the things that I notice physicians ask when we get into questions is how do you take a functional medicine 
type of approach from a business standpoint and apply it to their practice on a daily basis. There, there seems to be a difficult transition. And, and, and look, listen, you're obviously a very smart guy. You're an entrepreneur. You have a very smart business sense about you, which maybe a lot of doctors were not trained that way and don't have. Right, so clinicians. Yeah. So, so is this part of something you do teach as your web inside your web wellness and, and the programs that you do for them? So yeah, so two two pronged question there. Web wellness is more for laymen. So Web Wellness University mm-hmm. is is kind of a free platform that is designed to educate anyone who's looking for a different answer. Got it. And so that's my direct to consumer arm of my you could say of my of my marketing department. Got it. Speak, okay. Right. Because that's how people come in and into the fold and start really getting educated. For physicians you know, we have different educational programs, I and mean, one of them is my glutenology program. It's a 10-hour postgraduate course on just gluten. So imagine 10 hours of, of, of PhD material on gluten only. And now, so is that is that only it, for physicians, or is that for anybody for with a post? It's, it, it's for healthcare providers. So whether you're a, a nurse, nurse practitioner, whether you're an MD, a DC, an ND, a PhD. You know, if, if you fit the bill of healthcare provider and you're seeing clients and you want to learn better how you can communicate to your clients and how you can better test your clients to get more accurate results and that kind of thing, this Understood. is a class Got it. Okay. for you. Um, but that's, that's, then that's offered through Gluten-Free Society, which again is my foundation. And, you know, our, our mission at Gluten-Free Society is our, you know, our goal is to save 100 million lives. Yeah, I saw and that. And part it's of fantastic. that endeavor is through, is through research, through education, through, through teaching physicians to know this information better. So that's part of that. But then I also have a, a, a mastermind of sorts where I bring physicians in under my fold, under my wing, and we'll spend, you know, I've, I've got some that have been with me for five, six years, but we'll spend a minimum of a year together hmm. and working kind of in a more, in a more intimate setting. And so what this, what this consists of is we meet three times a year um, with a group, I've got a curated group of physicians and, and, and other providers that, that are under my tutelage. And so there's, you know, I generally limit it to, to 25 or less. Got it. And so, and so it's, a, again, it's a small, it's a small group because I, I like to keep it intimate because I want the information to be, um, as valuable as it can. Now in that regard, that also, you know, that also comes with, they will shadow me. So they'll have some opportunity to shadow in the clinic and observe two things. Number one, they'll be able to observe direct interaction with my clients. So like the clinical aspect of what we do, right? And, and how we get people better and what kind of protocols we use, et cetera. But then they'll, they, they also bring their staff so that their staff can observe the moving parts of what is required to run a successful functional medicine practice. Because it's very important. I believe that it's very important if you're a doctor or a provider that's considering making a transition from traditional into functional that it takes a team it takes a team you can't do it by yourself like right. and you shouldn't try because you've got to have a team that understands what you're trying to accomplish and do and the problem i see with a lot of doctors that i've trained over the years is they is they get what i call shiny object syndrome where they they, they chase shiny things that might make them money but also might be helpful for their patients but there's no system around it and there's no organization to it so they end up bouncing from one idea to the next to the next and their staff gets super confused hmm. because they're changing gears so frequently so what what we find 
in our training program is if we get the staff and the doctor both on the same page as to what it's going to take and, and what that system is supposed to look like, then I can help to ensure a much greater degree of success for that practitioner as they make that transition. So, because to me, a successful practice means, you know, a, a successful doctor over their career is going to see about 10,000 patients if they do it right. So, so is this is this more from a now insurance based? Are we talking? Are you talking about showing them how to do this from a private practice standpoint, um, yes, from a concierge yes. standpoint, right? Because from anything we've gathered, and I mean, we're a private company, we're a private practice ourselves. So nothing that I've really seen, or even top physicians that run mega hospitals here that we've spoken to who are interested in functional medicine, no one has been able to figure out how to get the insurance model to work. The insurance model doesn't work. Right. Okay, good. Uh, I, I don't think so, so either. So I don't, I, I, you know, it's just, I, I, I don't know what that conversation is. Yeah, so that, that, the problem with insurance ultimately is that, and I've talked to several higher-ups in, in multiple insurance companies, and the answer I kept getting back was, we're not going to pay for functional medicine because the average person won't stay with our insurance plan for longer than a couple of years. They move to the next company. So if you're with Blue Cross, you'll move to Aetna, you'll move to Cigna, you'll migrate. Uh, and that's the nature of business. And sure. so they don't want to pay for functional medicine up front because they won't reap the long-term benefit of what functional medicine has to offer. But my, my argument back was, if everybody did it, then everybody would benefit. That's so, right. You know, get, you know, get off. Get off your horse and just... You know, honor what works, but we're not going to see that happen anytime soon. Not no, without, right. not without litigation. Not without some. some That's right. Some right. Types of laws passing that kind of mandate that this is going to be the new standard of care because you've got, first of all, you've got too many hospital-based allopathic physicians that are in business models that what keeps the lights on is forty people a day, and the right. second they try to migrate away from that, you're going to bankrupt the clinic and. You know, the 40 people that are employed there are all going to lose their jobs, and that's just not reality. That's not going to happen. So if, if you're listening to this as a, as a clinician or a healthcare provider and you're, and you're trying to kind of navigate away from that insurance model, first of all, understand that you're not going to be able to provide functional medicine services in an insurance model and be able to make the same kind of living that you're currently making. And you'll probably go into debt and you'll have 10 times more stress because the, the aspect of running a functional medicine clinic, like here's the reality if you do it right. Now, now, depending on whether you're a single practitioner or you have a team of practitioners, if you do it right, a patient visit is not going to be less than 40 minutes. Right. And so that, you know, time is the issue, right? If you right. can crank 40 people through a clinic in a day, then it's a numbers game. But if, if the numbers dramatic drop from 40 to 7, then you've got to be able to monetize that difference of 33 people in a way that keeps your lights on and makes everybody happy. And, and so they're, they're really, that's the art of, of it. And that, and that it's part of it is value perception and psychology. The other part of it is positioning. The other part of it is, you know, you are offering a superior service that has a higher do dollar value put to it because it's a superior service. And so it costs more because it costs you more to be able to get all of that implemented and be able to get the systems in place to be able to deliver the type of care that patients are demanding so that that costs money you're not going to get that for a twenty dollar copay and anybody who's expecting to try to implement that with a twenty dollar copay or a forty dollar copay it's not possible. they're going to be sorely disappointed it's no. not possible at least so, not yet maybe maybe somebody smarter than me will figure it out but i've been teaching and training doctors for 15 years and i've seen every business model you can imagine no from I, concierge to cash base to insurance hybrid models and and the only thing that really works successfully 
is, is the blend of when the doctor doesn't have to deal with insurance companies, he doesn't have to pay you know, two or three staff people to call insurance companies and handle the, the rejections and the letters and, and spend hours and hours and hours on chart documentation to justify what he's doing, even though he shouldn't be having to justify what he's doing to a third party. Like, all that has to go away in order for there to be peace in a practice. No, I, I and, and that's a phenomenal explanation. And, and you know, I think it, it's not so much about somebody smarter than you. I think it's having guys like you lead an industry and people following into more and more private practices. And as those things grow more and more over time and doctors learn to step into their more of a private practice-based business and medical practitioners as a whole and start showing these results of data over time, I think that's the only way you're going to get anyone attention it's I, I I just don't see any other way at this point it's not it's not going to be from a dollars and cents standpoint from a business so I, I I think you're right on track in what you're doing and the awareness that you're causing because that's really what it is the people will speak one of the things I love is I love your maverick attitude and you know being a former bodybuilder myself I, I understand that drive man but when you speak, I, I get a, a very sense of, um, of a strong conviction and a, and, 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 a, and a big power behind your voice. And I see that, you know, you were, um, you, you have a, uh, a, a, there's a an authenticity. Of, yeah, but there's also, I love your doctor of pastoral science. Can you explain that for us a little bit about exactly how that works and what that is? So I'm a religious man, and it, I, I would say I'm not an overly religious man. I mean, I'm not at church every day of the week or anything, but um, I believe that spirituality has a place in healing, and it, and it has a very important role in healing, and, and it's lost to this world. I mean, science and spirituality are oftentimes split. It's a dichotomy. People think that in order to be a true scientist, you have to be agnostic or, or, or atheist, and the reality is that you have to marry the two. You have to marry spirituality with science if you want to be successful as a practitioner because when your patients come in to see you, you know, a big part of, of helping them understand what's wrong with them is being objective and being scientific and having the tools, the scientific tools to be able to implement and utilize that are going to give you the objective data that you can't guess about. But there's also an intuitive spirituality to it. And, and so if you've got somebody who spiritually is not sound, and psychologically they're not sound and emotionally they're not sound and there are reasons for that you should have training to be able to help them with that holism doesn't mean that you're a specialist I, I hate specialty medicine in this sense I actually had a, I had a client today earlier she'd gone to her lung doctor she's severe scoliosis right she has mm -hmm. severe scoliosis at the age of 12 she had a, a big surgery where she had a rod put in her back and they recently did an open heart surgery on her to put stents in her because of her scoliosis. They couldn't, they couldn't go on easy. So they ripped her chest open. And so nobody bothered to check her nutrition. And so she was trying to heal over the past year. All the scar tissue was forming on the front of her sternum. And, and because of her severe scoliosis, it was crushing her lungs. She wasn't able to breathe. So she went to the lung doctor. She went to the pulmonologist, right? Hmm. And she spent several appointments, uh, several hundred dollars, and was put on a CPAP, and, and for her, the CPAP just wasn't going to do it. It wasn't going to work. It wasn't going to do the trick because that was not what was wrong with her. And he looked at her, pulmonologist looked at her and said, look, I know the lungs. Everything around the lungs is at somebody else's specialty. Like, that's such a cop-out, excuse my French, bullshit answer. <laughs> yeah, like, it really is. Like, 
no, you're a doctor, you know, and doctor means teacher, and teacher means student. That means you don't ever quit learning, right? And so it doesn't matter that you're a pulmonologist. Maybe your expertise, your ultimate expertise is in the lungs, but if you don't know how the heart and the spine wrap around the lungs, then get the hell out of practice yeah. because you're not helping anybody. That's the way I feel about it. Like, yes, we need specialists, but we don't need specialists telling people uh, with their tunnel vision goggles to go somewhere else because they're not willing to be, to be grounded in both science and, and, and knowledge about the whole body, but also the spirituality behind that. Because what this doctor actually did is he took away this woman's hope. So we're talking about it from a spiritual perspective. When you, the, when you take away a patient's hope, you basically are, are telling them in a psychological way that there's no hope for them to get better. And so you're sending them into a state of depression. Right. And that's not going to help them. And some doctors would argue, yeah, but you can't give people false hope. And I would argue, yes, you can, because there's no such thing as false hope, because there's medical miracles that happen every day. And you as a doctor, it's not your job to try to predict the future. It's your job to do whatever it takes to have the confidence, the courage, the intelligence, the objectivity, but also the spirituality to help that person access the internal power that their body already has to heal. And so that pastoral side, in my opinion, is very, very important, and a lot of doctors lack that. Uh, just for, for, for the reason that they don't want to go away from that realm of purely scientific, um, you know, academia when they're dealing with their patients. Well, you know, I've, I, I, one of the things that is a core belief of mine is in order to be a proper medical practitioner of any sort when it comes to dealing with the anatomy from any angle I think you have to have three things well understood you have to have the spiritual element understood you have to have a good understanding of the anatomy as a whole like you said you got to understand all the inner workings of how they work together and you also have to have that connection sense that puts those two things together so you can provide them with application because you know you can give somebody all the knowledge in the world but if you don't have a application process that shows them how to connect to those two then the patient's not getting anywhere ever um, and and I think that's something that is is really really missing in the old formula of here's a symptom here's a pill here's how you treat it right so I think more and more people that like yourself that learn to step away from the traditional aspect of it who have that entrepreneurial thought process process, you know, are willing to take those risks, are more of the mavericks who are really going to move forward and be able to change things for everybody else as a society. You know, I, I there's a, something else that I really wanted to look up and talk to you about. Um, I also see that you had served on the board of the Functional Medicine University. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what the Functional Medicine University is for our listeners so they can get a little... Uh, better, you know, affiliated with that? Yeah, so FMU, Functional Medicine University, is a training platform for, let's just say, a doctor, you know, there are a lot of different kinds of doctors. There's DCs, there's MDs, there's DOs, there's PhDs, and this platform doesn't discriminate. It, it takes people with a higher ed level of education, a doctorate level of education, and, and basically it's a postgraduate course that takes about, depending on how fast you go through it, two to three years. Got it. And get through it. And it's, it's, it's a very thorough educational process that teaches the systems of functional medicine. So not, not, not the business systems, but the, the kind of anatomical systems breaking down 
breaking down the systems and talking about how to address different problems and different aspects of people's problems using a functional medicine approach with science. So like it's very, it's very entrenched in science and medical literature and it's very well backed up by, uh, by research. So Can again, you go it's through not, those different systems so our audience gets a sense of what they are? So, I mean, the, the general symptoms. So, like, you go through the integumentary system, which is your skin, right? The GI tract, the GI systems, right? You, you have the cardiovascular system. You have the musculoskeletal system. You have the nervous system. You have the lymphatic system. So these different systems all have, you know, they're, in, in anatomy and physiology, we categorize things into systems because it makes it easier to go through learning. But what, what Functional Medicine University does is it, is it goes through these different systems, but then it ties all these systems together because true holistic medicine or functional medicine, is it, again, it's not going to specialize only in one area. It's going to take a holistic approach. So let me give you an example. If, a, you, know, if you try to separate the muscles from the nerves as a system, so you've got the, you know, got the muscular system and then you've got the nervous system, right? So the nervous system and, and the muscles – you can't really separate them. And why no. can't you separate them? Because the nerves tell the muscles what Control to do. Control the muscles, right. Right? And then the muscles give feedback to the nervous system about their place, their position, their orientation. Exactly. And so there's this, there's this dual communication that happens within all of the systems of the body. And, and you have to understand that from that perspective. Because if you don't have that understanding and you're like that pulmonologist I was talking about earlier where he's like, oh, I don't know anything about other than the lungs. That's ridiculous because... What moves the lung, in this example, what moves the lungs? The muscles in between the ribs. That's the muscular system. But the ribs are bones, so that's the skeletal system, right? And so you've got the diaphragm as a muscle. You've got the intercostal muscles as muscles that pull the ribs up and down. Then you've got the nervous system, the vagus nerve coming. It's a cranial nerve, so it's even bigger than just the, the peripheral nervous system, but it's part of the central nervous system. Yeah, it controls the whole central that, nervous that system. It sends the message, right? And then you've got the cardiovascular system that registers the oxygen in the carotid arteries so that we know how much oxygen the lungs are bringing in and it sends feedback. So if you don't learn it all that way and, you, and you're just this tunnel visioned person, then you don't even understand how these systems connect. Then there's no way you can really truly ever doctor anybody in my opinion. Like, you know, how can well, you be sad, a lung yeah. specialist if you don't know that there's a chemoreceptor in the carotid artery that registers oxygen, and then if, if that chemoreceptor is not sending feedback to the lungs, not sending feedback to the heart, not sending feedback to the brain, and, and those things are connected, if you don't understand that, and you're just giving a steroid to reduce somebody's lung inflammation with asthma, you're, you're never assessing the real problem. You're, you're simply, you're, you're using artificial chemical manipulation to mask the symptom that's being manifested and understanding that the symptom itself is the way the body warns you that there's a problem. So when you suppress the alarm, that would be like if your house, if somebody's breaking into your house and the alarm's going off, oh, yeah, just turn the alarm off. Just shut the electricity off, right? Right, and then there's a guy with a gun coming into your bedroom. So that's a bad idea. <laughs> right. it's the same, same reason it's a bad idea to, to suppress the body's warning signs and symptoms by not understanding holistic physiology. So I know I went on a tangent there to answer that question, but I thought it no, was No, but it's, it's, your point but is it's very relevant. well yeah, taken. Absolutely. So now, you know, couple of, one of the places that, you know, we're very familiar with on the East Coast is the Institute for Functional Medicine. And how is it, is that the same type of plane as the functional medicine 
university um and 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 you know is it the same obviously it's a similar type of thinking with a similar type of um treatment are you familiar with them at all do you guys affiliate yourselves with them at all in any sense yeah so i mean they're they're think of it as coke and pepsi right if we're using another analogy um got it they're both they're both course curriculums that have share the same philosophy the, the same undertones they just have different instructors, and their methodologies are probably a little bit different in that regard. I, I'm a big fan of Jeff Bland as well. Jeff Bland, Dr. Bland, uh, who was a student of Linus Pauling, is, is the, who founded the Institute for Functional Medicine. Yep. And uh, in that group, I, I, you know, I used to attend Bland seminars on a regular basis before IFM even existed. And it's one of the reasons why I personally haven't gone through IFM, because I've already really pretty much taken that curriculum. I, you know, I started out in functional medicine 20 years ago. So before IFM even existed, I'd been taking the curriculum for, you know, more than a decade. So, uh, but doctors coming in that are new and they're just looking for a platform, a place to get started where they can learn and, and develop this, the clinical acumen and skill set to be able to start applying functional medicine in a clinical setting. IFM and FMU are both great places to get an education. No, that's, that's, that's very well explained. So, you know, Dr. Osborne, as a, as a gluten-free warrior, as somebody who is taking on that kind of charge within yourself to lead an industry like this, I mean, where do you see this industry five years from now from a preventative healthcare standpoint? Where do you see us going? Because, you know, a, a lot of what we spoke about so far today has been about understanding root causes from a functional medicine standpoint when it comes to an issue that walks in through your door, right? What we do here, we're a company that really goes into more of figuring out what goes on first, catching everything from a preventative healthcare standpoint, so it doesn't even need to get to that point. So where do we marry all of this together, whereas you get a functional medicine approach to finding root causes, but figuring it out in a way where, you know, it seeps itself into more of a preventative healthcare standpoint as a lifestyle? So it's got to start with culture. I mean, I don't think we're going to see the big change in five years. It's probably going to take 10 to 15 or more. But um, here, here's the problem that we face in functional medicine. A person's, and this is, a, this is just a psychological truth, the way I see it. A mm -hmm. person's pain, a person's physical or disease pain has to be greater than their fear of change yep. before they seek out functional medicine. Well for said. That to happen. <laughs> so, 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 so like, right. let's, let's just use a scenario. Okay, you take somebody, for example, who's got a little heartburn a couple times a week, and they're 15 pounds overweight, and their joints ache, and they can't do the things they used to could do when they were, you know, playing football in high school or whatever, right? Or, mm -hmm. or whatever, you put it, fill in the blank, whatever sport that is if you're a female, right? Um, and their pain levels aren't so great that it's interfering with their quality of life to such a degree that they, that they need to interject a major change. Because people fear change. Ultimately, the fear of change is one of the greatest fears people face in this world. Correct. You know, yeah. people get comfortable, right? Yes. So, like, you're not going to take a person who's super comfortable with that convenience food. Because we do, one of the biggest problems in this country is that food sucks. I mean, I'm just going to put it bluntly. 
um, you know, fast food isn't food. Most of the stuff sold on the grocery store shelves is garbage, and it's full of processed chemicals. And most of the way we produce uh, produce our, our crop in this country is it's full of pesticides. So you've got food being called food that's not really food, but you don't have enough people that socially understand that to be a truth. And so until their, their pain is so great that they have no other choice other than to droll through another 30 years of horrific quality of life or decide they're going to make a diet change and a lifestyle change, they're going to wait till the last minute to do it. Yeah. They're going to be forced into it through that pain. Okay? So how do, you, how do you take that when it's that way, when that's human nature, right? And get it to be where people recognize that food is important that activity is important, that love and spirituality and relationships are important, that cell phones aren't so important, right. that, you know, that that bag of donuts is, is not really a great idea, uh, um, that a pot of coffee a day is not what you should do to get your energy. Like, you, that is a huge social challenge that we face, and we face that challenge because we're, we're working against billion-dollar marketing budgets. Yeah, You know, you've got Coca-Cola and company, you've got Pepsi and company, you've got McDonald's and Starbucks sure. and all these yeah. other people that are out there that have a message that's really not truthful. Because nobody should be consuming those things as a major staple in their diet ever. And I would argue that, that those things, you should never consume them at all. But that, for most people in this country, is radical. It's a super radical thought. And so we have to transform the paradigm of what people think Socially, which today, socially, the thought process is, is Starbucks for breakfast, Subway for lunch, and we're going to order pizza for dinner. It's pizza night. And, and I've got a 12-pack of soda in the fridge. That's socially acceptable norm. And that, yes, we all know exercise is important, but I don't have time this week. I'm getting older, and the boss is writing me, right? Like, that's a social norm. How do you overcome that? How do you get people to understand that those social norms are big, fat lies, and the reason they feel terrible is not because they're getting older. The reason they feel terrible is because they bought that bill of goods. And, and to do that, you have to get to, in my opinion, you've got to get to children. You've got to get to children, and you've got to implement the teaching, and you've got to bring back physical education into schools. And you've got to prioritize that because that in most schools today, they've taken away physical education in lieu of training kids to pass standardized tests that do not arm them or prepare them for the real world. They yeah. teach them how to memorize things and, and get facts, but they do not arm them and prepare them for the real world. So they've taken away physical activity, meaning they've demeaned it. By taking it away, in essence, what they've done you know, on a subconscious level is told all of this generation of children coming up that physical activity is not important. They, the, the food they offer in the school, the vending machines, you know, tomato ketchup is considered a vegetable, Yeah. right? The salad that they serve is wilted lettuce with an anemic tomato sliced <laughs> on top. Like, this isn't food, and it doesn't yeah. taste good. And so, of course, these kids don't want to eat that. And when you put pizza in their face and give them a choice, they're going to pick the bad things that are full of sugar, right? And so when that's what you're presenting these children with, what you're saying to them on a subconscious level is, food's not really that important and these things are healthy because we're adults and we know what's right and here we are serving this to you right so they grow up and this is the social swing they, they have created a social norm of very sick people doing very sick things but because the social norm of doing sick things is normal it's not really sick and so the new norm becomes 
being sick is now normal. So if you, if you look, just go back in time 40 years ago, you, you would rarely see a child who was overweight. Today, 60% of kids are overweight. Yeah. Correct. Right? So you can see just in, the, in a generation time, the, the lessons that were implemented in the market influence and in the industry influence in our schoolhouses has created a social norm or paradigm that sick and diseased habits are normal, are normal. and totally that you normal. should do them. Right. right, and that being sick and feeling bad all the time because you don't know any different, that becomes normal. People own and their diseases also. It's all in they own language their, things. Exactly right. They own their disease, and this is what I hate about diagnosis. You go to the doctor and they say, Mrs. Jones, you have fill-in-the-blank disease. You have lupus, right? You have celiac disease. You have rheumatoid arthritis, whatever it is. And so, in essence, they make the person a victim of the disease. Right, when and then everybody speaks about it like I, I, my arthritis or my psoriasis, and, and, yep. and it becomes That's a right. self-fulfilling prophecy. That's right. It's like my McDonald's, right? Same thing, right? right? So, so that's the norm, and that's why functional medicine is, is at a crux, because how do you get 99% of the population who believes what we just spent 10 minutes elaborating on to change gears because to get them to change gears, you have to take away all their conveniences, all the things that are their norms, all their social norms. You know, when they get together with family, the food norms and the food celebrations that occur around those whole processes, you've got to take all that away. And that's a huge fear point. It's a huge pain point. Do you know in the old days when they used to teach nutritionists, they or dietitians at least, they taught that you need to take a person's culture into consideration, and yet it's that cultural way of eating very often that caused the diseases that people were having. And it's there's no doubt. There's no doubt about it. You're absolutely right. And, right. and that culture—that's why we struggle in functional medicine, and and that's why to be successful in a practice, you you know, part of what you want to understand if you're listening to this and you're trying, and you're a doctor or a nurse or a practitioner trying to begin the process of, of, of doing functional medicine. You have to understand that although everybody in our culture needs functional medicine, not everybody in our culture wants it. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so if you're trying to be successful in your business and you spend all of your time, energy, and effort trying to convince people who don't want functional medicine to want it, you'll never be successful in your practice. I'd like to round back again to your platform where you have a lot of information for your patients or for the public. Do you find that that's a great tool so that if people then are interested in pursuing functional medicine, they can then book an appointment with you? Exactly. What, what, what providing, there's, there's several reasons why you want to provide free information. One because it's the right thing to do. Because there are a lot of people who are sick who you literally could save their life with the knowledge in your mind, right? And yeah. so it's the right thing to do because you can help people. Second, it, it introduces people to a new thought process that maybe they didn't understand. And so maybe they're not ready to like gravitate to learn everything that you've, you've taught, but they're, they're willing to say, okay, maybe I'm gonna put down that statin and maybe I'm just gonna exercise instead. Like you, so you introduce them to something that might help them, right? So it it either point you're meeting them at where they're at. You're not trying to bring them 
fully on board. You're not having to convince them either. They're no, no. They're 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 pursuing you. So like Correct. it's kind of like a relationship, right? If 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 you're having to pursue the other person, and they're not pursuing you because they're not really interested, you're burning all your energy, and you're not going to be successful. That's right. So it's always in business. It's always be, but it's always better to be the one who's being pursued. And so this is where you put your information out there. Like there's nothing on the internet that I've ever, you know, I've, I've got at this point thousands of hours of video content, thousands of articles that are free, 100% free. Anybody can find them. Anybody can search for them. And I do that as a public service because I'm trying to introduce a concept that can save lives, but I'm also trying to meet people where they're at. And so once they come into that and they like it and they, and they want more, they can, they can opt for more. They can choose more, which is ultimately what we want them to do. We want them to choose more. And the more they choose, the better they get. And the better they get, the more there's a trust, a built level of trust. And so when that level of trust gets to a certain point, if they do need help, who are they going to seek? Whose help are they going to seek out? Hopefully ours. Right. Right. Yeah. And so, and so that's the, the premise is, is you get back what you put out in the world. And I'm a big believer of that. Like if the more good I can do, the more free good I can do for the, for the whole world, the more the world is going to give me back. And so there's no shortage of, of, of sick people. Right. And, and the reality is, is for every video I have that that person in their situation might watch that video and apply it to themselves, but there's still going to be a thousand questions that they need to be answered that are personalized for themselves. And if they have those thousand questions, they're probably going to come find me. So again, putting that, that, that information out there is, if you think of it from a business perspective, as a, and so not from a philanthropic perspective, which is just the right thing to do to help people, but think of it from a business perspective. We, we call this in the industry, you've probably heard of this before, we call it a funnel. Yep. So we put that information out there because it's a funnel. The more people that enter that funnel that start receiving that information, you know, it's, and it's a funnel where there are holes or leaks in the side of the funnel. Some of the people are going to come in and get the information. It's not going to match them, and they're going to leak out. They're going to go away. They're not going to continue yep. to want to hear my, my information or my, or my knowledge, and, and that's okay. They're, it's just not for them. Those people go away, but the people that stay in that funnel, you know, funnel filters things down to a, to a fine point. And so what we're trying to do is filter people through education down to a point where if they get to the end of that funnel, if they're still struggling – but they're better because they've applied a lot of what we've taught through that funnel, then now they have a, another option to seek help, which the ultimate option for seeking help in my world is somebody coming to my clinic in Sugarland or somebody setting up a consultation. So, so again, it's, it, that funnel is designed to filter people who are interested, who are want to pursue you. It's designed to funnel them to you as opposed to, you know, sending out a mailer to 10,000 homes in the area about your practice where less than 1% of those mailers are going to be people that are interested in functional medicine. No, absolutely. Could, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And this is something that we do here as well. We go after <clears throat> the sources that, you know, we provide a ton of free information. And, you know, we go after sources that we know are going to be utilizing this for the benefit of themselves. And like you said, as, as they get more and more interested and more and more interested, they find their way to us. And it, it's, it's, it's really, it's a system, you know, it's like the old uh, law of attraction in a sense. It's a system that just works very, very nicely on its own effortlessly. 
Absolutely, and, and what it you know what it does from the aside from from being able to draw in qualified people because again, as, as I said earlier, everybody needs functional medicine, but not everybody wants it. Right. So your job is not to go chase people. Your job is to wait for the people to come to you. But if you don't have a message, you don't have a voice, then nobody knows how to find you. Right. And so marketing 101 is create value in the world so that people can find that value and then find you valuable and then pursue you. And so from the perspective of the clinician, this means you don't have to go do uh, health care fairs where everybody's coming by to your to your table to grab your free pen they could care less about you or your message they just want the free gift whatever that is like those are the those are not people that really want your service so don't put yourself in an environment where you're miserable trying to be that person um, to try to reach more people like you should have these types as a clinician who's trying to break into this and break away from that insurance model you need to think about how what you know the knowledge that you have could help other people and you need to figure a medium, whether that's video, whether that's blog, whether that's audio, kind of like what we're doing here today. This yeah, interview sure. is audio. Yeah, right. And 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 you need to figure out what that medium is because we live in a in a world today. This is like this is like the um, the industrialized industrial revolution was right. Only it's it's the internet revolution where people have access to a platform that can disseminate their message instantaneously to the entire world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so all you have to do is make yourself available. And so a lot of doctors don't realize that. And, and, and so they, they, they never pursue just adding value back to the world and, and, and knowing that value is going to come back to them. But it, it makes your life a lot more fulfilling when you're sitting across the table from somebody and you're explaining to them, this is what I need you to do. And, and instead of them arguing with you or saying, oh, this costs too much and, and, and complaining about that, they say, okay, great. Let's go. Let's get going. Like that does wonders for a doctor's confidence. Absolutely. When you Absolutely. have people right. coming into your office consistently who are ready for you and want you, as opposed to having rejection after rejection after rejection and people criticizing what you do. You just don't want to do that in your practice. It, 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 it will destroy your practice. No, and I truly believe what you said. You know, you provide a ton of information, and it's credible, and, and it's it's out there. Then we've had pe- tons of people that walk in through our doors, like, oh, we've listened to your podcasts. We've listened. You interviewed Doctor X and Doctor Y, and it was so fascinating and captured our attention. It got us to search, and we started paying attention. We started becoming aware, and here we are today. You know, and it it it's. It, the message has to get out, and I agree with you. The more of it you put out there, the more of it you get back. I mean, I, I love your attitude, uh, Dr. Osborne. I, I think the world needs people like you inside this field to continue to push um, the envelope a little bit more. And, uh, you know, um, I mean, we can sit here and I can talk to you for hours and hours about all of these different things. But, um, you know, we, we do have to cut this a little bit out at this point. Um, but I, one of the things that I wanted to ask you was if, uh, if a layman is looking for your services, where would they find you? If a physician is looking for your knowledge and to enhance themselves, where would they find you? Yeah, so they could visit me at, at drpeterosborne.com. That's drpeterosborne, O-S-B-O-R-N-E.com. And uh, once, they, once they come to that site, there's a, a, a tab 
in the middle of the page that says Origins Healthcare. Mm-hmm. And that's the name of my office. And if they click that little tab, it will it will take them to to all about my office where they can reach reach out to us and, and get a hold of us. That's fantastic. So, Dr. Osborne, I want to really, really thank you for joining us and really um, enlightening us a lot about the start of this gluten um, movement and also just functional medicine as a whole and what you have done personally to touch so many people and start this shift that we're all moving along with. And I want to personally thank you for that because it's people like you who have opened the doors for companies like us and you know that means the world to me and to how we move forward and we will always and continue to look for you and people like yourselves for inspiration as we continue to build and grow our business um i would love to have you back for a 2.0 version of this at some point in the future and uh just wanted to thank you again for joining our show well, the pleasure was all mine, and, and you're welcome, and, and uh, you just let me know, and, and uh, we can do 2.0. That's fabulous. Thank you. And, and our listeners, if you have any questions um, at, that we can answer, you can email us. At, you can email me personally at sam at helixandgene.com, um, and we would gladly also get you guys linked up with Dr. Osborne and his team. And uh, any questions you may have, we're here. You can check us up at our Instagram, at helixandgene as well well and this podcast is available on the itunes podcast as well as spotify and feel free to listen or chime in ask any questions and we'll be happy to answer them dr osborne thank you so much for your time really really appreciate your presence and your knowledge you're welcome thank you so much and happy new year you as well take care